Sullivan testing the Portuguese. You know, I like to be fit and healthy, so the best way I know is to just get out there and run. Running was an outlet for me to, I guess, feel good about myself and, and take out some of the angers that were going on in my life. Sonny O'Sullivan is going to take the world title back to Ireland. What you put in the engine is obviously just as important as what you ask the car to do. But our human bodies don't just run on one type of petrol, do they? Which makes getting nutrition right for your body and your running an endless source of intrigue. Whether you're about to go to the Olympics or training for your best ever park run time, Today, on Irishman Running Abroad, my coach and yours, the Irish and world athletics legend Sonia Sullivan, will answer 10 of the most consistently asked questions around food and running, whether it's pre-race, mid-race, post-race or snacking, just to help you feel a little bit lighter. Sonia provides the solutions and I will provide questions based on my own stumbling around in the dark and research over the internet. Sonia, it is hard to believe that it is a week since Cove 10. I mean, we're both back in Ireland and uh, I suppose we were to enjoy a lovely week of, uh, you know, easy running and easy eating. And for you, that meant going to Cavan to uh, Chef mm-hmm. Nevin Maguire. For me, it produced a pretty uncomfortable week of trying to shift the last of my COVID symptoms while trying to remain vegan in someone else's house <laughs> when all they keep producing is the best steaks and trifle you've ever tasted in your life. Fair to say, Sonia, you had the easier week of me than me. <laughs> I, well, I suppose I have. I always have had a bit more control of the eating, and um, <laughs> even my sister Gillian, who's here, um, she said she reported back from my parents' house, and she said, "You know, Mammy, she says you can come for dinner any time, but you know, or she said, Sonia you can come for dinner any time, but you know, she eats her own food. She has special food." <laughs> All right, that's interesting. So, so that's how it works I'm, in the O'Sullivan house. Yeah, so I'm left on to my own devices, which. Suits me fine. And it's not actually the food, it's the timing of the food that Mm -hmm. kind of gets me more than anything else. And I suppose you get into your own little routines and depending on how busy you are, like for me, I'm flexible. I don't have to eat at the same time every day. And, you know, I'll just push it out as late as possible sometimes if I got to do stuff. And um, I'll wait until I'm finished. So I don't need like five and six o'clock in the evening. You know, it just interrupts the flow of other things going on in my life. <laughs> yeah, and I guess that's that's definitely a break from what the normals of us listening to this now, that like when you go to visit relations or when you go back to your parents' house, they're fine with it. They're like, well, that's Sonia, that's, that's her life. <laughs> Whereas when I arrive here at my in-laws, like I said to Tina, we can't really impose veganism upon these people. It's way too much. So uh, I kind of did know coming here that, OK, I'll minimize my meat and animal product intake. But it's it's like when, you know, you're doing anything, you've got to be you can't just be that person who's like, no, I can't eat that. Or you're just you, first of all, you develop a reputation. <laughs> and second of all, True. you become no crack. <laughs> And it becomes what a pain in the arse it is to have you around. We're only here for 11 days, but I have to give a shout out to Noreen Rowland, who cooked up a storm here in the Rowland house. I mean, it's just so hard to resist this food. But when you're trying to get better, like as people know, I've been pretty sick the last while. The la- like, I, To be honest, Anya, let's be honest, the... <laughs> The run that I ran in Cove is now looking more and more Herculean. 
<laughs> when I'm still <laughs> sick a week later, uh, I kind of haven't gotten much better over the week, I feel. And I wondered, is part of that a shift in my diet that my body was going, well, we're used to fruit and veg uh, is part of your decision to go, well, I do my food that you know that if you shift that at all, it will throw you off kilter. Well, I think I don't really think about it too much. I kind of evolved into this situation and I'm quite happy with it. So I don't mm. rock the boat and yeah. I just keep it as it is. But I think it will be interesting. You might need to call up Alan Desmond there and ask him about that. Because if you've been so strict for so long, or, well, for mm. how many weeks now? A good number of weeks months, now. yeah. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you change. Then I'm sure there's some kind of a... Um, I, what's the word you would use in there? Like, a, it's not psychological or physiological, maybe physiological mm. change within you of your nutrition that, yeah, that it's trying to adapt. So you probably kept it as norm, as, as similar as possible up to the race. And then after the race, you kind of thought, <laughs> oh, well, it, it doesn't really matter now. I can just let loose here. And, yeah. um, and, and that's what happens with a lot of people is that you kind of, keep yourself within the parameters to get yourself to a certain point. And mm. then that all, it's like all those fences are broke free. And it's like a big open field now <laughs> and everything, <laughs> anything goes on. There's no, you're, there's no containment <laughs> at all. And so then oh, everything is, you know, the routine, the structure, whether it's, you know, exercise, eating, sleeping, everything is not normal and it goes out the window. So of course then, I think um, everything goes off kilter and, and you won't feel as good. Mm -hmm. Whereas I think when you have that strict structure and methods of eating, uh, you know what you're going to do for training coming up, then your head gets ready for it and you yeah. get yourself up, you get yourself up for it. And I think that's a big thing with people is that you really have to get yourself up for things. Mm -hmm. And if you've trained for it, it's very easy. And then if you're anyway off, if you're a bit sick, you're a bit tired sometimes you have to make a really big effort to get up for something and and it's a huge effort and you know physically mentally psychologically emotionally everything everything is like you're forcing yourself to be the best that you can be when you know that you're not 100 yeah. percent. and and you can get away, you can get away with it but you can't get away with it all the time and then i think that's when you start to feel things wearing down and that's when you have to be really careful in normal times that you don't get sick Whereas nowadays, you know, everyone is kind of a bit more aware of, you know, being sick or not getting sick or not being around sick people that you can probably stay away from it a bit easier these days. But I think in normal times, that's when you're more vulnerable to be sick is when you're kind of on the edge hmm. and you're not on top of everything. So it's definitely something that we need to. Yeah, you probably get need you get back in your routine when you go home. Yeah. <laughs> and that's that's your boring old self. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I did think that uh, uh, this week as I've been racing around doing stand up shows and uh, I was at an awards event. All at times when I was meant to be lying on my back resting and getting better, you must have the same thing yourself when you come back to Ireland that it doesn't actually feel that restful. And <laughs> there is a part of me that's thinking, "Oh God, I can't wait to go back to work." <laughs> to get a break <laughs> from being on holidays. Like, I mean, the, I want to give a quick shout out, Sonia, to the patrons and the Strava Club members, people that have been in touch. 
who have been incredibly understanding that we've had a you know a couple of bumps in the road in terms of the timetable of release of Irishman Abroad episodes. And people have been really great, uh, especially with their tips on how to recover from COVID. And most of them are saying, rest, rest, rest. They said that uh, it won't work. It won't, it just, it just won't, won't happen if you don't rest. But what if you're self-employed, I say? I think uh, I, learned, I learned it the hard way this week that the COVID doesn't care if you're self-employed. The one way through it is to down tools. And if anybody's going to learn anything from what I've done, you can push through it to a point, but I think you're definitely going to need that three days. And I'll certainly have those as we head towards Easter weekend. Uh, Sonia, this thing of nutrition, though, well, Let's talk about your week first. I saw you were at the Enniskillen Park Run in the Irishman running abroad running vest, the fastest running vest on in the game. Uh, tell us about uh, going to Cavan for Nevin Maguire and winding up in Enniskillen. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm good friends with Nevin and we just, you know, every now and then you message each other and there's something connects you and totally, you know, randomly we were having a bit of a chat there a couple of weeks ago and he said oh we must get you back up you haven't been here for a long time and I said well maybe I could bring my sister up then as we we discussed this last week very <laughs> and, good um, smooth move rope in someone yeah. else yeah because <laughs> um, it's great to have somebody to bring with you and um but you then you forget you're in Cove and you know the McNean house is up in Black Lion and County Cavan which is right on the border of Northern Ireland so it's really far up far mm. far northwest but, you know, I love a good drive and we actually had great days for it. And we went right, as I said to Gillian, we're going straight up the middle. <laughs> we're hitting everything like Tullamore, Portlaoise, Tullamore, Mullingar, <laughs> right, right into the Midlands and then back over to Cavan. And it, it was a beautiful drive. And then I said, OK, and then on the way back, we will come back down the other side. And I was kind of visualizing this map a route that we were covering and I'm thinking, oh, well, I should have put this Strava thing on or something on to record this because it would have looked pretty cool because the lap we took, and I don't know why Google Maps decided to do this, particularly on the way back, because on the way back, we came back down through Bird Hill in County Tipperary. Oh, wow. And the main, the main reason for the Bird Hill stop was so I could get a coffee on Saturday afternoon. And um, the yeah, it was mental. So, well, <laughs> well first of all, we, we were in, we were in black we were in Black Lion first, and um, we had an unbelievable dinner. Like I sent you the menu last night, and unbelievable. Like, uh, I'll, I have to post that in the episode notes. It's ridiculous. <laughs> bits, you can post bits of it anyway. <laughs> but there was even more. That wasn't it. There was like there's other little extra courses that they throw in on top of it, and they're all just unbelievably plated up and presented and yeah it's like nothing you've you've never seen anything like this in your own kitchen anyway it is amazing <laughs> and you know often you go I go to restaurants and I kind of think oh I must try and make that myself at home but some of this stuff you just could not make it yourself at home are we talking like little it's, thimbles of food like is it like could you rest it on you on the end of your finger was it tiny little jobbies or were they um, all just extraordinary dishes yeah, they were all like very perfectly created, like like a work of art, you know, it was really, really amazing, you know, that, but, you know, and then you had to wreck it all by eating it. <laughs> and, and then, you know, so this went from six, so we went to dinner at six o'clock with dinner, 
and it goes until about midnight. You know, it's six hours of what? eating and drinking. Yeah, it's God. mad. Oh, my God. I'm not sure I could do that. But there's obviously breaks in between, right? There's, It's not just a oh, conveyor yeah. belt. Is, it's, all, <clears throat> it's not yo no, sushi. And it's, all, it's all very manageable portions. You know, it's not huge mm. portions. So it's for me, it's fine because but then Gillian, when we were driving up from Cove, so we called into the market. There's a lovely market in Cove out on the promenade on a Friday. And when the weather is good, it's fantastic. So I... I had to run in there and um, I had oh, I picked up some smoked salmon from Frank Hederman. He's a local smokehouse in Belle Valley. So bring up a present, you know, you yeah. transport some, you know, it's like I said, it's like bringing snow to the Eskimos, you know, and bringing <laughs> food up there to Nevin. He's got so much up there, but no, we bring him something different to taste. And um, then going on about the promenade, I'm after losing what I was going to do. Oh, yeah. And then Gillian. <laughs> She had she had a voucher for a lovely restaurant in Cove where we had lunch after the run, the Cove run, sea salt. Yes. And she said, well, I get some takeaway and we can have some lunch on the way. And I said, oh, no, no, no. There's no eating now. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> you just starve break- yourself before breakfast. this. <laughs> you can't be full when you go here. You know, you have your breakfast and then you go for your drive and you might have a coffee on the way. Um, and it, we, we didn't even get to do that because we did call into a coffee place, but it was a, a roastery and it was closed. There was no coffee shop at all. So the only purpose that served was that we found a toilet, which, you know, you have to do that when you're doing a four and a half hour drive. But yeah, the the meal was absolutely amazing. And um, but then I also, you know, in my back of my mind knew Saturday morning and a park run was definitely calling. In Enniskillen, it was only it was like less than 20 minutes away on early on Saturday morning. And it was freezing up there. Like it was about two degrees, but the sun was shining. It was beautiful. And I got over there in plenty of time and they had a lovely track, which was a kind of a dirt track. So it was moving. It was like a gravel track. So I did a few laps of that nice. then out onto um, Loch Urn. Is it Loch? I think it's Loch Urn. Loch Allen, Loch Ree and Loch Urn. Is that the three? <laughs> no clue. I mean, of the Shannon. You're talking twelve-year-old you Charlotte six-class school world learning that stuff. I've no clue. You don't, you don't remember your school journey. That was my favourite. All the lakes and rivers, <laughs> and so that, because that's it's at the very top, and it's where the Shannon River begins. And there's a park up there called the Bur- the Cavan Burren, and the Shannon Pot, which is where the start of the Shannon River, which is the longest river in Ireland for anyone not familiar with Irish geography and it runs through three big lakes um, no it's Loch Allen, Loch Ree and Loch Derg are the three lakes but anyway in Fermanagh it's Loch Urn so it must be a different, that's up beyond <laughs> Cavan <laughs> okay geography lesson complete <laughs> okay. Is this, does, does this come up later? <laughs> well, when we, well, Is this actually, foreshadowing for we what's coming? <laughs> when we were driving back down to Bird Hill in County Tipperary, which there's another reason for why we're on the way to uh, visit a friend, as you do in Ireland, in um, Glenstall Abbey. Mm-hmm. That was kind of the end goal um, of this trip on Saturday afterwards. We actually followed, we must have followed the Shannon back down because I can remember seeing signs for Loch Ree. And then, of course, Loch Derg was beautiful in the sunshine. You could see it from where we were in Bird Hill. It was unbelievable. But anyway, I went to the park run and initially I was kind of thinking, I don't feel like wide awake and ready for this. But I got over there and I did a four kilometer warm up 
I jogged around, got a good vision of the course. Very good. Which I thought, which actually, which I thought was the course, because I read the um, course description in the Parkrun webpage. And um, then eventually I went over. I mean, people didn't turn up till 20 past nine. Oh, I have to ask, a... were they were they shocked to see you there? Well, it was that's the funny thing is I went over to this fella and I said, oh, is this the start line? And he said, yeah, it's just over there. It'll be right there. And um, OK. And then I said, so do you do a lap of the track then? And he goes, no. <laughs> and and um, which is what they said in the instruction. And then I said to him, and then when you go down by the water and you go over the bridge, do you do three laps of the park over there? And he goes, no. And I said, OK, you better tell me the course then. <laughs> it's obviously different to what I read about. So he gives me anyway the new course description, which hasn't been updated on the website yet, because apparently that takes a bit of time. Yeah. And then he says to me, well, you're obviously not from here. Um, you must have traveled to get here. <laughs> I said, I did, yeah. He said, where did you come from? And I said, I came from Cove in County Cork. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's a long way away. <laughs> so this goes on anyway, and this is grand. And I didn't speak to anybody else. I kind of nodded at a few people, smiled at a few people. There was a fellow in an Irish rugby jersey, but it was purple for some reason. <laughs> Okay. Um, <laughs> and then and we headed off on this run and I so I didn't actually spoke to anybody significantly but I yeah. could tell them when we were running and then I was thinking as we headed off on this run oh this is great when I get back here now I'll just be able to sneak off and get out of here easily yeah because um, <laughs> sometimes it can be a bit chaos at a park run in Ireland of course and it can take a while to exit um, but of course, as I'm going around the course, all these people are waving, smiling, shouting my name. I'm like, oh, yeah, no, I'm not getting out of here lightly at all. <laughs> yeah, they didn't know who you were until you started running. <laughs> then they said, I recognize no. that run. <laughs> but it turns out, anyhow, the one man that I spoke to at the start, I met him afterwards at the end. He knows nothing about running. <laughs> I don't think I think he was from England. <laughs> And he came up to me and he said, oh, he said, I'm very sorry. I didn't recognize you. I said, no problem. I don't, it doesn't bother me at all. You know, I'm happy to be unrecognizable here and run around. Um, but it turns out it was the ninth birthday of the Inniskillen Park Run. Oh, the people stuff. were very, very nice, very friendly. And um, it looked like there was a lot of fit for life type of runners up there. Very um, good. Lots of women, lots, lots of women actually running. And um, yeah, all very happy to come and have a photo afterwards and they had a birthday cake and everything for the ninth birthday which a lot of the park ones celebrate so it was it was great Magic. to see so many people out and having a great morning and somehow i managed to jillian stayed back at nevin's because she wanted to make sure she got the breakfast <laughs> she was taking she was taking no risks and i left her special instructions i said just get me some fruit and yogurt and you know any nice bread or scones whatever they have and um, I'll have it later when I come back. And um, I got back at 10.31 and the breakfast was over at 10.30. Oh. And I peaked. But but then I kind of forgot that if it's over at 10.30, some people can turn up at 10.25. So it yeah. still was kind of open. And I looked in the door and there was loads of people sitting in there. And I see Gillian in the corner. So I kind of went over and had the full breakfast. And it was great. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, that is a <laughs> so win, I had win, win all across the board. Oh, totally. But then the thing about that is that, so, you know, so the day before 
there was no eating until dinner. And in this day, the breakfast was so good. You know, there was another few courses of breakfast <laughs> that there was no eating then for the rest of the day. <laughs> Just you're still breakfast and then you're, that's it. And we went to this beautiful um, marble arch caves in Cavan on the way out. And it was stunning in there. It was absolutely amazing. This underground tunnels of caves and all the stalactites and stalagmites, more geography um, <laughs> that you learned about in school and you can't remember. Yeah. And this, this is great. There was no, no, not much running talk going on at all. It was all about geography. And, but then the route, it was unbelievable. Like if this was a running route, it would have been probably pretty amazing. But all the way back down on the other side of the country, going from Cavan to this direction. I was kind of imagining we would go to Sligo, but we ended, We were in Leitrim and, well, bits of Fermanagh. I'm trying to think where else we got to, but yeah, we eventually got to Tipperary, but oh my God, the windy roads. Like, it was like as if my map was telling me not to go on any motorways. Oh no. But it just kept telling me that this was the fastest way. So I oh. thought, okay, well, it, and it was, it was great. But we didn't see hardly any cars. Mind you, one point I was flying along, <laughs> Tipperary. Oh, no. You wouldn't believe it on this nice road. It was, you know, a very skinny road. You have to hold your, into the, into the ditch. And I see, and I see this friggin' horse's head comes out of a, <laughs> of a road. And a horse and It's track, attached to a horse, the, right? Uh, it's yeah. not just a head. <laughs> yeah. But the, it's this guy on a horse and the little carriage thing behind they call it a horse and trap is it yeah and oh my god and he is coming out into the road crossing the road and about to you know come right in front of me <laughs> oh my god he assumes you it's know. his road yeah oh yeah like you go from 100 kilometers an hour to 10 in that space but anyway luckily he saw me and he held back and he let me through <laughs> i was thinking oh my god that could have been carnage. But um, <laughs> I, did slow, I did slow down when I saw the head. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like you had the time of your life. I, I, I'm very jealous, I have to say. And I know that uh, we got a lot of messages after last week's episode of people calling us awful people for making them so homesick with the Cove <laughs> 10 kind of documentary episode. If you haven't listened to it, go back and have a listen. If you're away from home, I guess it should come with a health advisory can make you homesick. But definitely you you had the full home in Ireland experience of flying around on the the Bohreens and uh, dodging horses. Um, oh, yeah. And we were actually trying to work out why there was no there were so few cars on the road, but it's probably because the price of petrol is so high. <laughs> Nobody's out. <laughs> There's that, too. Uh, I, I have to say that uh, it has been a relief not to have so many cars on the road, even though I just find coming from England, there's just less traffic and that sense of, oh, you can drive to Galway in two hours from where I am. is just so liberating and you just feel like the whole island is at your disposal. But it just wasn't there for me this week. I definitely tried to do all the bits and pieces I did. I tried to get to the shows, tried to get to the awards, things that I was doing. And, you know, I'm kind of paying the price for it now, Sonia. But, you know, we'll get there 
in the end and uh, for all the people that got in touch with little tips and tricks uh, on how to get back from COVID I feel like there's another episode brewing in the distance on COVID when I finally get through the other side and I have first-hand experience of how to actually return to normal Uh, you predicted May 1st as when I'd be back to where I should be and it looks like May 2nd is when our next <laughs> event is going to be. It's the uh, Vitality 10K in central London. Uh, Trevor Cummins suggested it and we're going to do it. So the next goal for Irishman running abroad is training for a 10K. So Sonia, do you have you have a fair amount of experience in that area of things? But I guess there's a very it's a very different thing, isn't it? Training for 10 miles and training for 10K. Oh, yes, it definitely is. And I'm just looking at the calendar here. So that's about three weeks away. Yes. So we probably need to just get through this week on some easy running. And then we can have two or about 10 days, probably, of specific 10K running for you. Mm. Um, Yeah, the big difference between, I mean, 10 miles is nearly like half marathon training. You know, you're operating at your threshold level. You're running at a pace that you're hoping to maintain for, uh, you know, an hour or so. Mm. Whereas the 10K is more like 40 minutes of running. The danger with the 10K is that you start off like you're running 5K and then you get in all sorts of trouble. <laughs> and, it, and it can be very long from 8K to 10K, those last 2K. So, yes, we'll have to look at your specific 10K paces and get you feeling what that's like by the end of this week. We can probably do something maybe on Friday or Saturday if you're feeling up to it and um you feel like yeah i can give it a a go here and sometimes you know you can do a session like that a bit of an abbreviated session and maybe you know not expect too much from it um and that might hopefully it will help you to kind of feel better and to move on to the next level even though you know there's lots of stories out there of people taking a very long time Hmm. to recover um, but you can only test yourself and see and yeah. then make a decision after that. So hopefully by the end of this week, when you're back at home and you've less running around to do, once you've navigated the security at the airport today. The longest part of that journey. Uh, yeah, great. Sounds good. Sounds good to me. We need to get to our nutrition questions. That is the subject for today's episode, as we said at the start. The 10 most frequently asked running and nutrition questions. Let's start. Let's start off with one that uh, I know you're not expecting, but it's come up again and again. How do I speed along my pre-run poo? People have wanted. Oh my god! (laughs) People have have been on to us for ages. You don't you don't talk enough about this major issue for all runners. Obviously, staying hydrated and is staying hydrated and eating fiber-rich foods the way to go here, Sonia? Or is this something you've given no thought to whatsoever? Surely it's a thing, like, you do think about this because this is going to affect the run in a significant way. Yeah, well, I think everybody thinks about it and probably not enough people talk about it. Um, It's definitely something you, most people probably try and work it out for themselves. And I think the key, if the race is early morning, is to get up on time. And I think if you leave it too late to get up, then that's where you're going to run into trouble. Right. So I think you have to be up and moving for a few hours before the race or the training session or whatever it is. And I suppose my biggest fear is always when I go and anyone who has 
and run with me anytime recently or anytime at all will know that I'm a frequent stopper on the run. And if I know that there is a toilet on the run, I will definitely stop because I know it's there. And I kind of think, well, if I don't stop now, I might have to stop later. Right. That's the the thinking. So, but the biggest thing for me is that I do this all the time in my training, but I don't want to have to do that in a race. Yeah, because so I, always... I was worried about you when we went to the runs. I was like, is Sonia okay? <laughs> she, she sees a toilet and she's like, I got to stop here. <laughs> I was like, I wonder, is she unwell? But this is actually something that you just do. Well, I, no, I mean, I don't want to, but it's just, I think it becomes psychological. Mm. And I think in a tra- in training, it, particularly in the morning, I definitely don't, probably don't get up early enough before I go out for my run. Yeah. So, of course, then I'm kind of on the back foot straight away, um, especially if I have a coffee before I go. But I think for a race, I think you can plan it much better. But that is the worry and the fear I always have is that I know I stop a lot on my regular runs that, you know, how can I make sure not to stop in a race? And a lot of it comes down to eating the day before. Um, I think when you have your dinner the day before, that you keep it like the time that time frame that you have it in is very short and you don't do too much snacking around it. And then there's a cutoff point. So, okay, you're not eating anymore after eight o'clock at night, Hmm. go to bed, then you get up in the morning and you have your um, tea or coffee or, you know, light breakfast, whatever you have. And then walking around a bit, it's kind of like a, a lot of runners, if they would have a race later in the day, they would go for what they call in America, they call it a shakeout run. Mm-hmm. And um, so we, I used to call it a morning run or a wake up run. And I think that the, the main purpose of that, I mean, for me, in a way, a lot of the purpose is to get some fresh air, to get outside and to wake up. And then I see some of these American runners and they go on the treadmill and I'm thinking that's not really getting all the benefit there. <laughs> yeah, it's not getting the air. You're missing the fresh air and the kind of, you know, just waking yourself up. Mm. Sometimes I feel like my eyes don't open enough until I actually go outside and get some fresh air. Yeah, because um, this was one of the questions that, that I was going to ask you really, really briefly here within this question was uh, this this carb loading thing that we joked about last week, that, that people aren't clear on when <laughs> when to start loading the carbs uh, and when to stop. But you make a really good point there just before this that you really got to cut off at eight o'clock or uh, you'll run yourself into trouble. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, you need to have enough time, I suppose, to clear the system before you go for the race Mm. and absorb any nutrients that you need to absorb. And even though, you know, I, I know I stop a bit in training, it's probably a good idea or it definitely is a good idea to practice in training what you're going to do in the race. And sometimes it's hard to do that because you can be a bit more relaxed during the training week. Whereas on the race week, you do, you tend to do everything right. And you're very, you think about things much more. Whereas in normal times you can get a bit, you can forget it because you know, we're, I mean, I don't definitely don't go around thinking about my daily run every second of the day, the day before, because now it's just enjoyable and fun and casual. I don't, I'm not so strict about it. Whereas before, I probably did think more consciously if I had a long run or a session day. Um, I was definitely more aware of what I would be eating 
the day before, hmm. uh, the morning of, and, and, you know, getting up on time as well. Um, but I think also the key on the morning of the race is that as well as having your tea and coffee, that you drink plenty of water and maybe even some kind of an electrolyte or energy drink alongside of the regular food that you're having. What about prunes and kind of these figs and these other kind of cheat codes that people have? They think, I drink a little bit of prune juice and we're in business. Some people will tell you, will swear by these things. What's your take on those? I don't know. You'd have to you'd have to be used to it mm. because that can wreck have, run havoc with your system. I mean, <laughs> yeah. if you if you don't if you go from not eating prunes <laughs> yeah. ever, and then you all of a sudden eat them the day of a race. I mean, that's just asking for trouble. Yeah, like that's that. Ian O'Brien territory. <laughs> Shout out Ian O'Brien. <laughs> yeah, it's like Weetabix, Weetabix territory, isn't it, <laughs> yeah. Joe? <laughs> the Ian O'Brien Weetabix method, the double breakfasting. I think we've covered that in a, in a decent st- sense there. There'll obviously be more in the episode notes and even more questions answered by Sonia. Uh, come on over to patreon.com forward slash irishmanabroad support the show and get to hear the rest of this conversation as i get into talking with sonia on the on the final questions of the top 10 nutritional questions that we need answered including empty stomach running the different fuel you'll need for your track sessions uh, the treat she couldn't resist during her professional career whether we should be eating butter at all and the final question, you'll love this one, is the question that Sonia thinks we need to all ask ourselves. It's all over there in the beautiful benefits available to all our patrons on patreon.com forward slash Abroad, And you'll also get illustrated episode notes. One of the keys to like maintaining your brain mass is pushing past that comfortable zone physically, you know, exercise wise. Imagine, you know, a world where everybody could go out the door and engage in the kind of exercise that's going to make them more relaxed, more healthy, burn off stress. 